to another episode of the Awakening Podcast. My name is Tom, and I thought what I'd do is outline where I come from, my history, and what is sort of the impetus behind this podcast, and a lot of other stuff that I do. And then after that, maybe I'll uh, I'll expand on that and um, see where we go. So basically, I am an artist. I was drawing and painting before I could speak. Um, and eventually I went to art school. There was, there was this sort of, there was something I couldn't put my finger on, like a politics, uh, kind of unspoken politics that, that was in the background. And I, I didn't have the tools to understand what it was or where it came from. And it was only until after art school that I really understood what was going on. So, it's really interesting studying art because you've got a liberal university and the most liberal part of a university is the art school <laughs> and the most um, the institution that's the most enamored with liberalism is the art school then of course like an art school is just a touchstone onto the art world then you have that institution which is enamored with liberalism so instinctively I, I, I knew there was something off, something wrong. And uh, what really changed things for me is uh, I graduated in 2008. And in 2008, the markets crashed. Since then, I've maintained like a, a dual focus between money, economics, and art. But sometimes they're very separate. Sometimes they intermingle in some things that I do. But what that led on to was uh, discovering how money works, how the money system is set up. And then, of course, Naturally, that leads on to um, where power emanates in the world and how that power has been used. And what I found was, um, well, I, I guess I can talk about it in this podcast. There was a plan, a plan to have everyone living in very tightly controlled cities, completely controlled by AI, to separate humans from the Earth, so humans can't roam the Earth freely, they're kept in these tightly controlled cities with AI courts, AI police, artificial intelligence, hospitals, schools, no privacy, everyone tracked and traced. So I guess a kind of technological communism, if you want. And this plan was to, at the same time, blur the distinction between genders. So you wouldn't really have male and female as such. You'd have just one gender. So uh, humans would be farmed rather than birthed. And uh, there is actually the technology to do that right now. Uh, no family. So to get rid of the, the family unit, the state would be the family. Okay. So no childhood to blur the distinctions between adulthood and, and childhood. No religion. There would be a, a state religion. Um, the plan was to uh, have one race. So no privacy, no race, no religion. What this whole plan is, essentially, is it can be summed up as transhumanism. That's the ultimate goal of transhumanism, Okay. This is bad. <laughs> Transhumanism is, is bad. And the reason is because the human race is an experiment. And 
once you create a static utopia, that experiment ends. All right. So the whole reason why this uh, this world is so interesting and dynamic is because human beings have a lot of um, dynamic things going for them, right? So we have this huge range of emotions. Uh, we make art. We write. We you know make poetry. We um, make plays. We just an incredible species, and this all comes from the dynamism of the human race. And what that can be attributed to is uh, human beings' DNA. Okay, we wouldn't have any of this stuff if it didn't come from somewhere within our DNA. So the DNA of the human race is really the the most precious thing that we have. Okay, and once you start messing around. With human DNA, what you're basically doing is you're saying, "Well, we don't care. Let's just have humans static, so nothing changes, and everything stays the same." Transhumanism is negative. It has a negative opinion of human beings because it says that human beings are inadequate. So let's modify them genetically or with technology. The idea is is that life, human life, is cheap. That's the whole impetus behind transhumanism. Human life is cheap. In a way, you could say that uh, the su suicide bomber is an extension of transhumanism. Okay, you could say that abortion is an extension of transhumanism. You could say that many things in our world are an extension of transhumanism. Why that is, we'll come to that. There's a lot of people. Running around calling themselves transhumanists, okay, <laughs> but these are everyday people, and transhumanism has a, a lot of subcultures to it. So there's people who um, who make implants that do certain things that allow you to be tracked and traced, and these are hobbyists who make implants in their garage, and then they insert it themselves, and they call themselves transhumanists, okay. Well, that's cute. That's very cute, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about transhumanism as, as an agenda, as a political agenda, being um, rolled out by people with actual influence. The reason why humans can be sold on transhumanism essentially comes down to really two things, and one of them is the ignorance of our own power. The human DNA. Is essential to the human story, and everything that we've produced comes from that. But there's a lot of things about the human physiology that uh, we're we're just ignorant of. We just don't know. Okay, we don't know how DNA and the brain, for instance, interacts with the wider world on a subatomic level. And there are scientists doing experiments in this right now. That are just beginning to understand how this works. A lot of our low opinion of ourselves comes from an ignorance of our own physiology. And the other reason why transhumanism is, is very easy to sell to human beings, even though we're capable of so much, is because uh, humans just we just have a low opinion of ourselves. We just have an inherent low self-esteem, and that's because we've inherited a lot of very bad ideas. From organized religion, and from from other mistakes of the past.
that's got us into a place where we don't really have much pride in ourselves as a, as a, as a race. Now, there's a lot of ways in which that manifests, but I mentioned that this was the plan, this, this transhumanist plan, it was the plan. The good news is that that final goal of transhumanism is now not going to manifest. So there were blocks put in place, there were benevolent forces at work, okay, and this has been a long, long time in process. So what has now happened is that that plan has been destabilized. It's all good because um, we have been spared from that final destination. If that was allowed to happen, then there would have been very, very little chance of us ever getting out of it because by the time that happened or would happen in the future, we would be in such a place, our DNA would have been tweaked to such an extent that we would not even have the motivation to get out of that situation. So when you explain the idea that, you know, this plan of like no childhood, no family, no gender, controlled by AI, blah, 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 most people would be kind of appalled at that idea. That's because within us we have that motivation. We know right from wrong. That comes down to the motivation of our DNA. And if our DNA can be tweaked because we bought into a transhumanist ideology and we've allowed our DNA to be tweaked, then we lack the motivation. So the good news is, is that can never, ever happen now. Here's the bad news, though. What we're dealing with in our world is the legacy of that plan, that transhumanist plan. Because in order to put that in place, that final goal, that final uh, static utopia, if you like, in place, there was lots of stages that would have led up to that. And there's a lot of brainwashing, a lot of ideology that would have had to have been sold to us in order to create the right space for that transhumanist agenda to actually take place. So what we're dealing with is the legacy of that transhumanist agenda is that we have a lot of ideologies. Within those ideologies is the idea that life is cheap, humans are inadequate, etc., etc., etc. All the bad things that you'd associate with transhumanism, they're all contained within those ideologies. And this has been like a full-spectrum propaganda exercise. I mean, all our institutions, our media, they're all saturated with these ideologies. In fact, not just media, but the entertainment industry. Then you've got banking and economics. And then you've got the political class, the institution of science and technology. And then above that, you've got royalty and priesthood and all these other levels to society. On every single level, everyone's been sold the same ideologies. I mean, even if you're a student, and this comes back to art school, you're in art school, okay, and you're writing an essay. And so the, the people that you quote in your essay may be philosophers, thinkers, other artists. They all come from institutions, whether it be the institution of, of uh, philosophy or the institution of art, the art world. These institutions have all bought into the ideologies 
that would create the environment for transhumanism. And so you're writing these essays and the cues that you're taking are essentially disempowering. Transhumanism at its root is a disempowering ideology. Some of us recognize this, some of us know this, and yet some of us are clinging on to these ideologies. And what they're, what's happening is, is that because these ideologies are, they have the cynicism and the anti-humanism of transhumanism embedded within them, it's creating tension within themselves and uh, inner chaos, and that's manifesting in many, many different ways. And it all filters down, whether it's Trump or Brexit, everything. This inner tension that people are experiencing is making them do and say very, very strange and irrational things. Because they can't seem to make sense of a world in which the mainstream okay, has a certain ideology and yet there is this uh, blowback happening. And you can, you can say that Trump is part of that, you can say that Brexit is part of that. All the chaos really uh, in our world right now is actually due to this blowback from that transhumanist agenda. Uh, and yet some people are clinging on desperately to these ideologies. It's really, really important to understand this legacy that we're dealing with uh, so we can move on. And if we don't understand it, then we won't be able to move on. It's that simple. What's happened is transhumanism, the ideology, the people behind transhumanism, appropriated liberal ideology. Okay, and this is what's causing so much chaos within people. They can't seem to reconcile this within themselves because most people just want to get along. They, they want the best for themselves. They want the best for their family. They want the best for their friends. They just want a good life. And the carrot on the stick is liberal ideology. But what transhumanism has done is that it's converted liberal ideology into a stepping stone onto transhumanism. Okay, so it doesn't matter whether we look at Marxism, feminism, environmentalism, multiculturalism. I mean, those are the big four. It's always the same. It's the same pattern in each case. Take Karl Marx, for instance. Karl Marx was sponsored by the Rothschild family. Because of that conflict of interest, you've got Karl Marx saying, uh, you know, we should end greed, essentially, okay? We should end uh, this idea of power and money being concentrated in the few. The conflict of interest is that he was sponsored by the most prolific capitalist of the day. <laughs> so <laughs> that conflict of interest manifests in the Communist Manifesto that Karl Marx wrote, 1848. These planks are basically the, the definition of communism. Okay, so Karl Marx wrote 10 planks, and each one defines communism. Well, plank five is uh, the centralization of the issuance of credit. Well, that definition, that sentence, is the definition of a central bank. Okay, so under communism's own definition, we live in the communism.
because our economy revolves around the central bank. We have a centrally planned economy. So you've got all these people running around, a lot of students who um, have bought into Marxism, have bought into communism, trying to defend this ideology, and yet they're living under communism already. And what this really is, is, is a false illusion of choice. So you've got central banking and you've got communism and the agendas are the same, but you call it something different. So that whoever is in favor of central bank will go to the central bank. Whoever's in favor of communism is in favor of communism. They're marketed to two completely different people, but they're both working towards the same agenda. Well, how does this factor into transhumanism? Well, the whole idea of transhumanism is that it's, it's centrally planned. You can't have a decentralized economy and absolute control. So uh, if you look at who sponsors every other communist revolution since Marx, you'll find it was a central banker somewhere who bankrolled it. Well, ask yourself, what is the interest in someone who, what is the agenda there? Each revolution is like a beta test, is a way of testing how this transhumanist agenda can actually be put in place economically. I mean, that's Marxism, very, very Cliff Notes short version of this whole story. Then we've got feminism, okay? So first wave feminism, the suffragettes, that was about uh, property and suffrage, the right to vote. Fair enough. It's common sense. Once we get into second wave in the 60s, then we have the CIA getting involved. And what was done there is that they admitted, and you actually have feminists thanking people within the CIA for their involvement. The plan was to use feminism to destroy the family unit. Is when you take the mother out of the family and you replace it with TV, instead of homeschooling, you have no choice but to have state education, send the kids to school. Instead of family time, you have TV time. Instead of uh, home-cooked meals, you have microwave meals, because the men didn't know how to cook in the 60s. This whole idea was basically a trick to get women into work so they would leave the family, or it would create divorce so the family is destroyed, and in the end, you get the kids. And the state becomes the parent. Because the state has the education. And then you've got all the propaganda coming through the TV. And then you've got food which has been manufactured to produce a, you know, a sense of lethargy in front of the TV. And there you have it. Society destroyed. Equality is the carrot on the stick. Just with Marxism. And feminism is it's, it's the same thing. Equality is the thing that they get you in with. But you don't know where this is heading. So you buy into it. We're talking about transhumanism and life being cheap. Okay? Well, Karl Marx, Karl Marx was not a happy individual. Karl Marx wrote apocalyptic poetry. Karl Marx wrote anti-human poetry, misanthropic poetry. You find that misanthropy runs through every single liberal ideology. That misanthropy comes through in Marxism. 
the whole idea of centralized planning, of centralized control, it says that people are ignorant and they need to be guided by the state. People don't have the intelligence to make their own choices in life. People don't have the intelligence to deal with free enterprise, so they have to be told what to do. That is the essential anti-humanism of Marxism. It's the same thing with feminism. You break up the family unit and you put the children into foster care. Well, the foster care system is essentially a front for child abuse. What happens to kids when they get into foster care? That's the question. Feminism hates children. Feminism aborts children. Feminism sends children to foster care where they're abused. Again, we come back to this idea of the difference between uh, the agenda and the hobbyist. Hold these ideologies close to your heart on an everyday sense because you want the best for everyone. But you don't have the foresight to see how it's being implemented and how a structure is being created around you. You just want the best for, for the world. You want, you want equality. Who doesn't? It's common sense. But see, it's because we've been ignorant of how these structures have been put in place that has led to a lot of the chaos that we have today. Environmentalism, another example. So this is all about separating humans from nature. It's all about punishing humans, saying you have to stop reproducing. Well, the earth is an abundant place, okay? <laughs> With waterfalls and oceans and, you know, there's a lot of space for everyone. Go out to Siberia, there's more than enough space for everyone, okay? The carrying capacity of earth is way more than 8 billion. Consider the fact that everything in nature doesn't need to pay to be there. Just consider this for, for a moment. Ducks in the pond, birds in the sky, cows in the field. It doesn't matter. They didn't need to pay to live on Earth. For the purposes of control, we have had this structure built around us where we've had to pay and work to be on the earth. Let's just keep that in mind. Let's just remember that. If you want to know if you're enslaved or not, try living without money. This is heartbreakingly simple, but just think, how abundant does the earth have to be to support not only the human race, every other species in existence, the millions of species, where does the energy come to do this? Is it paid for? It is inherent. The abundance of the earth is inherent. And yet, we're told from environmentalism that we have to stop reproducing. <laughs> Just think whether this makes sense or not. We're blamed by environmentalism. Instead of the emphasis being on clean technology, the emphasis is all on how humans are a problem. Again, it's that humans are inadequate, humans must be curtailed, controlled, stopped from reproducing. This is transhumanism. 
And then, of course, we could talk about multiculturalism. I mean, the Roman Empire was so successful. And one of the reasons why it was so successful is that when the Romans conquered a new area, what they would do is they would bring uh, foreigners in who couldn't speak the language of that land. So they would mix everyone up. So no one could communicate with each other. No one could band together. You have all these cultures living in the same space, and the Romans uh, were able to keep control of that area because no one could get a revolution together. No one could mobilize. So multiculturalism is used as a tool for division. As long as people are divided, the government gets to do what it wants. So this is kind of in a nutshell how transhumanism is embedded within liberal ideology. These, there is so much hatred against, say, Brexit in the UK or Trump in America. The media, again, is saturated by that ideology. Okay? It is totally and utterly indoctrinated by transhumanism, by liberal ideology, by political correctness. And this is why there is this tension and chaos in the world. What's now important is for you to ask, what are your priorities? Because this is history, and you have a choice whether you want to defend a lie or whether you want to know the truth. I said before that, you know, most people just want to get along. Most people are just innocently following what they've been told, what they've heard, quoting something else someone else said. But this huge war between humanism and transhumanism is coming to a head, and humanity is kind of in the middle, like watching this game of ping pong, and a lot of people don't know what to believe. So this podcast is really for anyone who's on the fence, who wants like a Cliff Notes version of what is happening today. The solution that I would give to someone who is experiencing this inner chaos and chaos in their life because they're trying to defend a lie is to make a choice between ideology and self-development. If you want something that's like a proactive solution, I would say that the choice is now down to ideology or self-development. And it's very, very interesting. You see a lot of these liberal ideologies, they're trying to co-opt the rhetoric, the style of self-development, or the, you know, the self-improvement movement in a way, you know, with these like little um, memes or things that people put on social media. And it's kind of confused because liberal ideology is the mainstream. It is the status quo. There is nothing grassroots about Marxism. There is nothing grassroots about feminism. There is nothing grassroots about environmentalism. And yet people, people put these ideas forward as if they're, they're being somehow, you know, against the system, you know? Um, no, the real avant-garde is self-development. The real avant-garde is to look inside yourself. Ideology tricks you. It tricks you into looking at the outside world. And that's fundamentally disempowering because it gets you to react. It pokes you. Why is that disempowering? Well, I think very soon we're going to have scientific verification of this idea. 
And it's this idea that thought creates your reality. Your focus creates your reality. Now, if that's happening by default, what it means is, is that there can be no blame and there can be no shame because you got what you wanted in a way. Now, people like to call this the law of attraction, which I think is something, uh, something else. What I'm talking about is something far more essential. The idea is, is that someone's thoughts and focus dictate their reality. You don't necessarily need like a peer-reviewed study. You just have to look back at your life and see what happened. And you can find a, the basis for what happened in thought, in your thought, in every case. So that being the case, okay, if there can be no blame, be no shame, and your reality is totally up to you, then it means that you are responsible for everything that happens to you by default, which is an incredible responsibility. But it's not a responsibility that is taught to us, has been taught to us in our culture. And the thing about ideology is that it doesn't do anything to teach this to you either. We've inherited this idea from religion. And in religion, you have um, a God that determines your fate after you die. And it's like, well, it's in someone else's hands. If it's true that you create your own reality, the idea of some other God coming down and saying, and judging you, and saying, this is where you spend eternity because you thought this, it's a crime. What has been done to us has been a crime. And it's because we've been, we've been prepped by religion. The continuation of religion is liberal ideology. And it does just the same job. So in the case of Marxism, or in fact anything, to be honest, Marxism, feminism, environmentalism, multiculturalism, what people inevitably do is they beg the state to help them. So the state has replaced God. Our responsibility now is to fully step into the fact and walk the walk that our thoughts create our reality. And this means taking a lot of pride in ourselves, a lot of pride that we haven't really been taught to have. The realization of this concept is what will bring about a new humanism. It may not look like it, but this is the preeminent avant-garde, humanism, this new level of pride in the human race is the new avant-garde, and it's coming. I was an art student, and uh, I felt all this intuitively, but I couldn't put it into words. And it's only after when I started to research that I could put it into words. The art world is an institution, just like every other, that is bought into liberal ideology and transhumanism. And if I was an art student today, my priority would be to reject the dominant ideology of the art world because there is an amazing opportunity right now to remake all our institutions and imbue them with this new humanism and pride and spirit of self-development. You really have no choice. I mean, it's coming with or without you. So much of art 
is just so obtuse and almost purposely difficult to interpret. The reason why that has happened is because it lacks humanity. It lacks humanism. It lacks self-development. It's become heavy with intellectualization, with elitism, with liberalism, with politics. It is too heavy. You have an opportunity to make something light. And light is the avant-garde. So this is what I wanted to say for this, uh, for this episode. I will be back in a week's time. And we will go into even more detail in subjects that I've been talking about. Thank you for listening.